Real joy is a choice. I know that because Philippians is one of four letters written from prison, which is a dark and gloomy place. In the prison epistle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The entire letter overflows with positivity and a glass half full outlook. Even James, the half-brother of Jesus, says to people in difficult circumstances, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Does your face look like you were baptized in lemon juice? With the Holy Spirit's supernatural help, you really can choose joy in any place and all circumstances. I'm Ron Jones. And this is something good. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and you're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, when the Apostle Paul wrote those words to the Philippian church, he was under house arrest in Rome. What he wanted the church to understand, what God wants you and me to understand, is that the joy of the Lord is not circumstantial. It's intentional. It's a choice we have the power to make no matter how we feel or what we may be going through. Ron's message is straight ahead, so stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to any of our broadcasts on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Philippians, Choose Joy. Well, it was a beautiful, beautiful day in the 100-acre wood. Pooh and Piglet approached a bridge to uh, play their favorite game called Poo Sticks, and that's when they saw someone's tail sticking out from under the overpass. And it looked like Tigger's tail. Remember Tigger? T-I-double-G-G-R. That Tigger. And sure enough, it was. Tigger was hiding under the bridge. You say, why would Tigger hide under the bridge? Well, Eeyore said that nice weather like this is earthquake weather, said Tigger. He said the 100-acre wood might have an earthquake today. I'm staying here until it's over. Well, Eeyore's earthquake forecast bothered the three friends, and uh, eventually Pooh and Piglet and Tigger ran into their friend, Christopher Robin, who uh, straightened out the whole misunderstanding. Uh, he said, uh, there's no such thing as earthquake weather. Eeyore is just being gloomy again. And that comforted the hearts of uh, Pooh and Piglet and Tigger, and they went looking for their friend Eeyore to have a word with him. A.A. Uh, a. Milne writes this book called Eeyore Be Happy, and in there he says, Pooh led the way to the gloomy place where Eeyore lived. There they found him nibbling some thistles. You said there was going to be an earthquake, Eeyore, Tigger said. You have spoiled our whole day. Why are you always gloomy about things, asked Piglet. It's nicer to be happy than gloomy, said Pooh. Perhaps it is, Eeyore agreed, but I don't know how to be happy. Nobody ever showed me. <laughs> well, if Eeyore were here today, I would say, Eeyore, you need to read uh, the book of Philippians, and it will not only tell you how to be happy, better yet, how to choose joy, 
but it will, um, it will show you how to do that. Maybe you're here today and like Eeyore, you feel a little bit gloomy. Uh, maybe the dark clouds of uh, despair have come your way. Uh, maybe joy is far removed from your experience. Well, if that's the case, you're in a good place today because on the ultimate road trip through the Bible, our next stop is the book of Philippians, uh, where Paul will challenge us to choose joy and to embrace a positive outlook on life. Now, uh, joy is a choice. You do know that, don't you? I know that because uh, Philippians is one of four epistles that Paul wrote from prison, which the last I checked is a dark and gloomy place. And yet the word rejoice, or some form of it, appears at least seven times in the book of Philippians. And it's only four chapters. Uh, so seven times in four chapters, in this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church, that overflows with positivity and a glass half full outlook. Are you a glass half empty or a glass half full kind of person? Thank you, half full. (laughs) And he's sure of it, and that's good. Well, Paul was a glass half full kind of guy. Just just overflowing with positivity and with, with joy. And it was because He chose joy while in prison. In fact, in chapter four and verse four, near the end of the book, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He says it over and over and over and over again. And what's important for us to remember is that Paul is writing not from a five-star hotel where he's at some resort and he's saying, rejoice. He's writing from prison. He's experiencing dark, gloomy, adverse circumstances. He has every reason to use the excuse to act like Eeyore and just be gloomy and negative and down and glass half empty. You know, even James, Jesus' half-brother, writes to people in dire straits in the book of James. And right out of the chute, chapter one and verse two, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. He says, choose joy. Joy is a choice. It doesn't come naturally to us. The Bible tells us elsewhere in Galatians chapter five that joy is the fruit of the spirit. In other words, um, there's a difference between happiness which has to do with what's happening around us. It's circumstantially driven, right? You can be happy one moment because you're in the five-star hotel and you can be sad the next moment because you're in prison. Happiness has to do with what's happening, but joy is something that the Holy Spirit must supernaturally produce in us as followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible also tells us that that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah chapter eight and verse 10. So with the Holy Spirit's help, you really can choose joy no matter the circumstances you're facing right now. It might be a medical diagnosis that is not what you were expecting or financial adversity. Uh, Somebody even asked me after the second service, can the Christians in Ukraine that are experiencing war, can they really choose joy? I told her to come back for the third service and hear the message again because that's the whole point 
Paul is in prison. He's experiencing adverse circumstances here. And from that, he is telling them to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, the Apostle Paul found the church at Philippi or founded the church at Philippi during his second missionary journey. And beyond the letter itself, we can learn more about the church in Philippi in Acts chapter 16, uh, including three significant events that are associated with its founding. They include the conversion of a prominent businesswoman named Lydia, um, a demon-possessed girl was uh, set free from her demon possession in Philippi. And also in Acts chapter 16, it talks about the dramatic release of Paul and Silas from prison. Remember, they were singing hymns at midnight. And uh, after an earthquake, no, no, not, not earthquake day like Eeyore was talking about. This was an earthquake that shook the jail and the jail door opened and released Paul and Silas. What a day that was. You can read about that in Acts chapter 16. Now, during Paul's imprisonment, the Philippian believers sent a guy named Epaphroditus to Paul to encourage them, or to, to encourage him. And in return, he, he sent a, a protege, um, one of his disciples, a guy named Timothy, back to the church at Philippi. So they were sending encouraging words back and forth. The church at Philippi was most likely a small congregation with meager means, which makes uh, Paul's gratitude for the generous gift that they gave to his ministry all the more meaningful. I mean, this is a church that might not even have had two nickels to rub together, but they were generous and Paul uh, applauds them for that. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to thank the Philippians for their generous gift to his ministry. He wrote to expose his enemies who opposed the gospel he preached. Paul also wrote to quiet down a, a little disagreement, a rift between two ladies. Uh, he calls them out by name, Eodia and Syntyche. He says, just tell these ladies to get along. <laughs> I, I find that interesting. He just drops that into this uh, joy-filled letter because in most of the letters that Paul writes, I think with the exception of one, he addresses false doctrine and divisions in the church, knowing that those are two schemes of the devil that you'll find in, in any congregation. If he doesn't get you on false doctrine, the devil will get you on divisions. If he doesn't get you on divisions, he'll get you on false doctrine. He's gonna come at you a lot of different ways. In the matter of uh, divisions in the church, he, he just says, hey, these two ladies, I, I hear they're not getting along. Uh, tell them to get along with each other. Now let's go through the four chapters, and I'm given a, a theme to each of the four chapters. In chapter one, the theme is very simply, to live is Christ. You, you wanna live a, a joy-filled life, to live is Christ, Paul says, and to die is gain. Stay with us. There's still more to come from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Listen to Ron's messages on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, be sure to check out Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. It's a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. Look for Something Good courses when you visit our new streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org. That's Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to help others grow in their Christian faith. 
During his two-year stint under house arrest in Rome, it would have been easy for the Apostle Paul to feel sorry for himself. Instead, he chose joy because he knew his imprisonment had advanced the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's Ron with the second half of today's Something Good radio message, Philippians, choose joy. Well, joy and gratitude are never far apart, which is why Paul begins his letter by thanking God for the Philippians. And he quickly offers an, an encouraging word in verse six, where he says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What an encouraging word that is. If I could paraphrase Paul, what he's saying is, God isn't finished with you yet. He who began a good work, he doesn't begin something and not complete it. He still has work for you to do and he still has work in you to do. And God never begins a project, a salvation project, without finishing it. And he will bring you to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Paul's positive outlook on their future life in Christ has to fill the Philippians and their hearts with courage and, uh, and us as well. Paul did not let his chains defeat him. If you read on in chapter one and verses 12 to 14, uh, his prison chains did not defeat him. His critics did not dissuade him. His crisis did not discourage him. There was not an ounce of Eeyore in the Apostle Paul anywhere in chapter one, let alone these four chapters. Referring to his imprisonment, he writes in verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, now who has a perspective like this? But the Apostle Paul, here he is in a dark, gloomy place, adverse circumstances, he's in prison, but he finds a way to see the positive side to this. He says, God is using my circumstances here to advance the gospel. The fact that his negative circumstances positively impacted the gospel brought the Apostle comfort and joy. Though he was in prison and his life was draped with uncertainty, Paul expressed his confidence this way. He says, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And then here it is in verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do you have a perspective like that? For me to live is Christ. But if I don't make it through, whatever I'm going through, if this is the end of the road in this life, ah, that's all right. To die is gain. You've got to have an eternal perspective to live that way and to say something like this and actually mean it. I heard the other day somebody was uh, commenting about you know, how we Christians believe in heaven, and we do. I believe heaven is a real place. It's the eternal destination for those who are in Christ. He went on to say, if we believe in heaven the way we do, then why do we get sad when somebody gets to go there? Okay, I understand there's another side to grief and all of that and loss, but that's a great way to think about it. Why are we sad when somebody gets to go there? Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but if I don't make it out of this mess that I'm in, this is the end of the road for me, to die is gain. Joy is not only a choice, but it yields a positive outlook on this life and beyond, and beyond. You look beyond the grave and see all that God has for us in Christ. And yes, attitude is everything. Attitude. 
You just can't read Philippians without understanding Paul has this uh, supernaturally inspired, indomitable attitude. It just, it just... It just oozes out of him. And it made a huge difference in the way he navigated his difficult circumstances. You've heard the old adage that attitude really does determine your altitude. And it does. You'll go farther in life with a good attitude than most anything else in terms of how how it will propel you forward. But a bad attitude... If you're like Eeyore, just always saying, oh, it's earthquake day. We're going to have an earthquake today. Who wants to be around that? Your employer doesn't want somebody like that on their team. You're a downer, not an upper. I mean, come on. It's not earthquake day. Not for the believer in Jesus Christ. It isn't. Charles Swindoll says this about attitude. He says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures or successes. It's more important than what people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, gifted ability or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home, The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change that certain people will act in a certain way. The only thing we can do is play the one string that we have, and that string is attitude. It's attitude. And Paul has an attitude that draws people to him and that encourages those that are around him. Chapter one, to live is Christ. Chapter two, my theme is descending into greatness. And nothing filled Paul's heart with joy more than the unifying aspects of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Check out chapter two, beginning in verse one. He says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I could just pronounce the benediction right there and say, let's go live that. (laughs) I mean, wow, this is such encouraging Uh, words here. High and lofty are Paul's aspirations for the Philippians and us to live this out. And you say, well, how do we live up to the apostle's soaring rhetoric here? Well, very quickly, beginning in verse 5, he sets forth the example of Jesus Christ, followed by the exaltation of our Savior. And the verses that I'm about to read are just some of the most, (laughs) some of the most profound in In all of Scripture, it forms an aspect of our Christology, our theology of Jesus Christ that is so important. Follow along as I read, beginning in verse 5. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Another translation says, Have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, 
being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, here it comes, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That deserves an amen or two. That's just good stuff. Paul describes how Jesus Christ descended into greatness through humility. And he says there that he emptied himself. Interesting phrase. In the Greek, it's the word kenosis or some form of it, translated emptied. It refers to the way Jesus laid aside his full privileges, the full privileges of his deity. Uh, the Savior did not cease to be God in any way, nor did he empty himself of his divine attributes. But he did not always draw upon the fullness of his divine power. Sometimes he chose to operate within the limits of his humanity. For example, he grew tired. He grew thirsty. Furthermore, Paul says he chose to be born in the likeness of men. I mean, consider the, the condescension, the humility of Christ, our Savior, our Creator God, who put on human flesh, really? And chose to be born uh, just like you and I were born, albeit from a virgin, and was laid in a manger. You know what a manger is? It's a cattle feeding trough. And, and he, as a baby, was, was wholly dependent upon his human parents. He humbled himself. And, um, and he emptied himself. Also, Jesus did not present himself as one would expect of deity. He served others instead of expecting them to serve him. One of the great lessons we learn from the example of Jesus is that humility precedes blessing. When we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, He will exalt us in due time. You're listening to Something Good Radio. In today's message, Philippians, Choose Joy, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. Check out the Something Good digital library where you'll find more than 500 hours of Bible teaching from Dr. Ron Jones that will help you in your journey with Jesus. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The power of prayer is undeniable. And today we'd like to pray for you. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to share your request with us. Click on Explore and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You option. That's somethinggoodradio.org. We also want to say thank you because your prayers and financial support make it possible for Ron to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your donations do make a difference. And when you give a gift this month, we'll send you an ebook that goes along with the series you're hearing now, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This special resource covers all 13 of the Pauline epistles. Request your digital download today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. 
Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. He says, I want to know Christ in a way that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. Anybody ready to sign up for that? Well, not many of us, right? But friends, there is a deeper intimacy, a deeper fellowship that awaits any one of us that are willing to take up our cross daily and follow Him. That's next time in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Philippians Choose Joy. Join us then for Something Good for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.